Hey guys, Wes and Ryan here letting you know that this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast is brought to you in part by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand based right here in the United States of America out of Indianapolis just up the road. And these guys, they, they helped us as a sponsor last week. They're, they're a sponsor this week as well, going to be a sponsor here for a little bit. And the reason we are so, so happy about this, guys, is this company is awesome. You hear this kind of stuff a lot. Um, but the, these kind of vintage college shirts have been all the rage now for a while. That trend's not going anywhere. And Homefield is perhaps the very best company that does this. And these guys on Saturday opened up their Tennessee account. So you can go to homefieldapparel.com and they got 15 things to choose from on that site. And these are a lot of things. And when you talk about vintage stuff, a lot of people have this vintage stuff, but what makes Homefield different is they dig through the archives and the history of each school that they partner with. They find unique logos, mascots, and they in moments to make really thoughtful decisions about what they put on these shirts for this school. And for Tennessee, they got 15 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, all kinds, all kinds of awesome stuff. And in the past, they've done things with Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, A&M, Wisconsin, Minnesota, UK, a bunch of others. Now they partner with Tennessee, and they're partnering with the Go Vols 24-7. And I'm telling you, I can finally talk about this stuff now. I think we both can, Ryan. Last week, they sent us stuff, and we couldn't really talk about it until it came out. We couldn't really preview anything. Um, but now I can tell you all 15 pieces are out. Uh, you can see the a lot of stuff with the Rifleman on it, a lot of really cool old smoky uniforms, Vol Navy, Pride of the Southland. These things came in. They are super soft. They are super comfortable. And since they came in now, uh, this was uh, last week, uh, my wife, has, who, who is pregnant, she can never find anything comfortable to wear. She wears that sweatshirt every single day now when she gets home. She just puts that sweatshirt back on, and this stuff is really soft and comfortable. It is, and uh, same same thing. My my wife has already uh, claimed the uh, the sweatshirt that came in. She she's a big fan of it. Uh, really soft, comfortable stuff. And uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that's right up my alley. It's it's a lot of sports fans are like the vintage looking stuff, and that's definitely what they have. And it's like you said, it's it's a bunch of unique logos you can't find on on a, on really any other stuff. Uh, there are plenty of Tennessee merchandise out there. Not anything that looks quite like this. And I think you saw that with the the on sale Saturday, a lot of excitement and, the, and some big numbers that, that home field had with this, uh, the launch of this line on Saturday. So uh, obviously a lot of Tennessee fans taking notice of it and uh, rightfully so it's some high quality stuff. And you know, the best part about this guys is right now you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you can also go, you know, through Facebook, you can go through the socials there through, through Twitter, Instagram, all those other things. But the easiest way is you go to homefieldapparel.com Go click on whatever you want, put it in the cart, and when you go to checkout, put in promo code VOLS247. That's VOLS247, VOLS247, and you get 15% off of your first order. You can go to homefieldapparel.com, click whatever you want in there. doesn't have to be Tennessee, but uh, probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably Tennessee. Go in there, click what you want, lots of cool stuff, put it in the cart, click VOLS247 right there at the end for 15% off. That's homefieldapparel.com. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunchtime, 
morning football time. Just football time, period time. Nice to have football camp to talk about time. Plenty to discuss time. Let's get to it time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here early on a Wednesday afternoon around the, the lunching hour here on the East Coast of the United States. Not really the East Coast, the Eastern time zone, the westernmost part of the Eastern time zone of these United States from God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, from Anderson Training Center, from Haslam Field, whatever you want to call it, wherever Tennessee football practiced this morning, Wednesday, the Vols got started with preseason camp under first-year coach Josh Heupel. Plenty to discuss, and since you know we're going to discuss football exclusively in this episode, of course we're going to go to that uh, undisclosed location in an undisclosed part of the Knoxville area, and we'll go to the one, the only Patrick Brown. Pat, what is up? Not much, Wes. Just uh, finished up some post-practice stuff, putting some stuff on the site. You know, it's uh, it's that time of year again, man. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's different because uh, Tennessee's practicing in the morning, as we've discussed now, in the Josh Heupel area. They had to get some things moved around, uh, some schedules moved around, so the Vols are getting their football done earlier in the day, which I, I got to tell you, during preseason camp, not such a bad thing at all. We'll, we'll see how that is in, like, uh, November. But uh, right now, uh, especially this time of year, not so bad to get going in the morning, get ahead of some of that preseason camp heat. And, and it's nice, really, to you know to be out there. I know that there were a couple times, obviously, in the spring when you were able to get out there, but practice access is – I would not call it wide open now. There's still kind of limited numbers per outlets that are there. You and I were both there on Wednesday morning, so it's a it's a couple per outlet right now. But we got to see nine nine periods of practice, which is, you know, about six more than we're used to seeing. So, um, you know, still not really 11-on-11 stuff, but um, we, we, we saw something that resembled football a little bit at times. Yeah, we saw – actually got to see some guys play some football. Now, again, they're in helmets and shorts, and it's the first day. So um, you, you can only take away so much, um, and it was just really – one or two periods of 11 on 11, but um, it's still more than, than we uh, have seen in the past. And um, you just get to see competitiveness got with, with guys. You get to see guys go against each other. You get to see wide receivers go against defensive backs and um, you know, who can, who can make throws from the quarterback position when, when they've got to put the ball in a tight window. Um, you see some team stuff where the quarterbacks, you know, they're not in contact, but they still, you know, they still have to play, right. It, it's the closest they're going to get to a, to a game where, you know, you, you see them throw routes on air, and and a lot of times they're going to look really good. So, because they're not being rushed, and you know that that's the easiest part of it. But um, yeah, I you know I don't know how long it's going to continue. I think uh, maybe another day or two, we'll we might get to see as much, but uh, it might be less as time goes on. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, you get to see some guys that that maybe can step up and make plays. Guys that look good um, going up against their teammates and. Um, as Butch Jones used to say, you, you see a little, see a lot, and, and now we actually are, or at least on, on Wednesday, we're seeing a decent amount. Yeah, you see you see a decent amount, you see a lot more. You know, it's uh, it's, it's nice how that works. And I always go back to to the way, um, I guess when, when I first started covering Tennessee football, um, they actually, it was not the leather helmet era, uh, but Tennessee was actually wearing full full pads at, at that point. They were, they were you know, color. There was color television. It wasn't quite that long ago. Uh, but Phil Fulmer was Tennessee's football coach back then, and I remember he used to say, 
consistently every year, and I used to laugh at it, um, but it, it's true, you know, football is a game played in pads. So the first couple of days of practice in camp, you know, everyone's had a full season in, in the strength and conditioning program. People come out looking better, feeling better. There's not a lot of dings out there yet. And also, you're not in full pads. So y- you see guys step up differently uh, when you get 11 on 11 and when you get full pads. But what we were able to see Wednesday was still something like football, right? I mean, they're still going through drills. They're still hitting some bags. They're still uh, going through paces. They're still getting coached like they would be with pads on. So there are some things you can see. And, you know, it, it was a pretty good tempo to, to practice. Uh, you know, and Josh Heibel said afterward he thought that the guys were – um, the retention was a lot better from the spring, uh, and, and that he these guys seem like they know more than they knew then. Some of the guys who weren't there during spring camp that are back out there look like they haven't missed a lot of time. Um, but he also said, and I think this is something we need to discuss, it, it's a lot easier to to win a first day than than lose a first day, right? Like everybody, like if you go out there in the first day and you're awful, I don't know how many times I've ever heard a coach come after the first practice and say, "Well, that was awful." Everybody seems to be pretty happy usually on opening day. Yeah, and that's because these guys haven't been beaten on for a couple of weeks, right? I mean, yeah. physically, this is the probably the healthiest they're going to be for the next few months because the, the wear and tear of a season just kind of grinds on you after a while. And um, it's the first day of, of, of practice, so it's like the first day of, of – it's like Christmas morning, right? Yeah. Uh, you get excited for it. If you weren't excited for it and didn't have a lot of energy this morning as a player – uh, you might you might be in the wrong business. So uh, same goes for the coaching staff. We saw a lot of intensity out of them, particularly some of the defensive guys, Rodney Garner, uh, Brian Jean-Marie, both those guys were uh, fiery, I would say, this morning. And, um, and and that's something that you mentioned too, Wes, is just how, how mentally Josh, uh, Josh Eiffel seemed to be pleased with uh, not only how they retain stuff from the spring, but built on it over the summer. Of course, now, uh, you know, coaches can't really work with players a whole lot or really at all on the field during the summer, they can still have some meetings and, and go over things like that. And uh, I think he liked where they were mentally in that respect. And he liked how uh, they looked physically. He said he didn't see a lot of guys that were just completely exhausted, completely winded. Uh, it wasn't terribly hot. There will be, there will be those days where guys um, maybe run out of energy, run out of gas when, uh, even though they're practicing in the morning now, I can still get pretty warm in the sun uh, here in East Tennessee. So, uh, there will be some days where, where maybe that's not the case, but today he liked the energy. He liked that that it looks like they, um, the team overall, had a good summer in, in terms of the strength and conditioning situation with uh, with guys maybe changing their bodies and guys building up their conditioning to where they can go hard for two hours uh, in a practice and not you know be just exhausted at the end of it. So, uh, and the other thing Heibel said is that the, the way you lose a first day of camp is you have somebody get hurt and they didn't have anybody get hurt. So. Um, and that's where as a coach and as a staff, you have to manage your team that you don't push them too hard, uh, too soon out of the gates when you, when you start a preseason and when you start a camp. Yeah. I think you made a really good point there about the defensive staff. And, and I know that when there's a couple of us covering practice, you know, we kind of do the whole, like, it, it's kind of like if you've ever seen a, a, a baseball shortstop and second baseman sort of before every pitch, they, you know, do the thing behind the, the the glove where it's like mouth closed or mouth open, like you go here, I go there. You're sort of positioning yourself. And, and what I'm trying to say is when they were split up, I went over more to the defensive side when they were doing some of that stuff early on. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, Jean-Marie gets really, really gets after those linebackers. Um, but Rodney Garner takes it to a new level. I mean, I it, it's you, – you hear all the time, like – you know, and it's not uncommon to see a defensive line coach or a linebackers coach 
really, really get after it. You know, normally like a quarterback's coach will be a little bit more cerebral, um, but there's a couple positions, especially on the line of scrimmage, where you're just getting, I mean, just, just you're getting, it's like a hair dryer going all the time right in your face. And, and Rodney Garner gets really, 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 really personal with some of these guys, the way that he pushes them. I'll put it this way. You hear some people say that a coach is either going to make or he's going to break you. He will make or break those defensive linemen because they are either going to do it the way he wants to do it or they are going to hate life every day for a long time. Because, And I'm not trying to say it's any kind of a bad thing. I think it's kind of a positive because they need those guys to improve. They need to develop depth there. They need to get bigger, stronger, tougher there. They just have to play better football there. And I think he knows that. And I think he's been around this league a long time. And he knows what looks good and what doesn't for that position. And as Matthew Butler said, you know, on, on Tuesday, he's a guy that you want to listen to because it's like, look at how many guys he's put in the league. Look how long he's been in the SEC. Look how many championships teams, you know, cultures he's been a part of. He's a guy that you want to listen to. And even if you don't want to listen to, you're going to listen to him because you're going to hear him. Yeah, and and he was uh, – and that, that's, not, that's not just for players. That's for the student managers too. If you're not yeah, setting up a drill right, he will – uh, he will not be afraid to uh, to let you know if you're not doing uh, the job right, and um, that that's an interesting group to me because they've got a lot of guys there, um, mm-hmm. and, and and they've got a lot of guys that either have played a lot and not really made a whole lot of plays in terms of how they want to play now, um, or they've got some guys that that haven't been around long or are transfers that you're kind of still waiting to see how they how, you know does the light come on for them. So. Um, yeah, he, he's obviously one of the most intense guys, and um, you hear that from players that they say on, on the field he's you know very fiery, very intense. But the minute that they're off the field, he's very loving and sort of a, a fatherly figure for them. Mm-hmm. That's able to kind of uh, turn it on and off. But uh, you mentioned Matt Butler; he was a guy that I thought was a standout uh, yeah, in what we saw today. And some of the team periods looked like he was in the backfield a couple times. And um, I think you talked to him on Tuesday, and uh, I don't know how he's changed his body, but he definitely looks a little bit quicker and. Uh, was able to to make some plays there, and that that's what they want up front, and that's that's they want to they want to be an attacking defense overall, and that that starts up front with how they want to play, which is a little bit different from what they were doing on the previous staff. Yeah, I asked him point blank, you know, if he looked if he got bigger because he looked bigger, and he just kind of laughed and he said, you know, I, I I added seven pounds and I lost one percent body fat, so thank you for noticing. Yes, I have been doing work in there. So yeah, he because uh, Butler was a guy who when he arrived as a freshman physically aced the eyeball test like from the second he got to to camp right he has always looked like a guy who you look at on the field in pads you watch him get off the bus and you go that's a dude that's the kind of guy that you want up front and maybe it's just because Tennessee hasn't had as many of those guys in recent years but he just looked from the beginning like a guy who it's like oh that that dude looks like a football player just kind of kind of like the way you look at like a you know a Byron Young now just a guy that you look at and go yeah, he he looks good. I'll take a couple of those. But you're right. Butler has gotten a little bit bigger. He he's he's been through a lot. He's a guy who said that he reminded everybody this will be his sixth defensive line coach, pretty much since he's committed to Tennessee that he's played for. And these guys were getting coached by their head coach, who was distracted and having to do a million things in the second half of last season. And we didn't know at the time just how many other things behind the scenes they were battling. So there was a lot of distraction going on there. And that group, you know, probably got the business into the stick in some ways because of that. And Butler's a guy who's been through a lot. He, Aubrey Solomon, those kinds of guys. 
it's good to see some of them still out there. You know, Solomon's, you know, out there, he's still got those kind of, I call them those rickety old man knees. He's out there doing what he can. Um, but Butler was a guy who I thought did some good things. I thought Karak Garland a couple times during practice uh, was a guy who showed some power, you know, you know, he, he's been, uh, he and his brother, they've been weightlifting with their dad since they were basically in the crib, I think, you know, they're just strong kids. And so there's a couple guys up front there that are responding pretty well to it. You know, Tremblay's a guy who can give him some reps here and there. They look better there than they did in the spring, I think. But in the spring, they looked really bad. So I don't, you know, how do you how do you judge that? Because in the spring, it's well, like it's it, got to get better. It's hard to judge a lot of this team because there's just so there, there's new guys everywhere. Um, like the quarterback, Milton's the new guy. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to him in a minute. They don't have anybody new at running back. That's like the only place. Uh, wide receiver Javante Payton's there, and, and you know um, he's he's the new guy. They've got a couple freshmen at, at tight end. There's um, you know especially on the defense they've they've got transfers there, and um, just some some house cleaning stuff we should touch on uh, positionally. Cayman Marley, the freshman who was kind of a doubt if he'd make it or not academically, is here. Yeah, uh, got in at the start of July. They had him listed as a defensive back on the roster. He was at wide receiver this morning. Um, kind of sounds like that's where he wanted to play and was told he was going to play when he signed. Uh, that might be some of the new staff keeping up with what the old staff was probably going to do. But um, and and Josh Heupel said after practice, that's a natural starting point for him. He's a versatile guy. He played wide receiver. He played safety. He could probably play both those positions at the college level. Um, he's sort of probably a project just because he's probably one of those guys that just got by on his athleticism, played against I think a lower classification in North Carolina. Yeah, he's skinny. Um, but, he's, he's really but skinny. Should, should mention that um, at linebacker Roman Harrison was with the um, inside linebackers. Well, he was he didn't he didn't go through spring because he was out, but he was with the outside linebackers today. So he's with that group with Tyler Bear and Byron Young, who you mentioned, and Bryce Neeson, who continues to just uh, he's a large dude. Um, he's not playing linebacker anymore. He's not going to play a linebacker like he did at Whitehaven. He's <laughs> yeah. going to be an edge guy, and if he's not careful, he might go to a three technique. Uh, yeah, two, Mohan, two, two ninety guy, is pretty uh, close. Two ninety is pretty close to three tech. Right. The uh, I don't know if he's two ninety. He might be maybe two eighty. But um, and, and William Mohan, who was a the transfer from Michigan, is with the inside linebacker. That is more of a Joseph, another guy who could play inside outside. So, yeah. um, just some positional notes there. Guys that we saw that were um, that were missing the spring. Jeremy Banks was back out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison was a guy that that was absent in the spring. Latrell Bumpus was uh, missed the spring with a with a knee injury. He was back out there sporting a the number eleven, which is an odd one for a uh, defensive lineman. Yes, it is. Um, and Walker Walker Merrill was a guy who hurt his knee late in the spring. He's got a pretty big brace on his leg, but was gutting it out. And I thought he looked fine. Um, the freshman wide receiver who. I think he was getting some work with the twos. Um, so he can, uh, maybe not with the twos, maybe with the threes, but um, yeah, just some, some notes there that uh, I need to touch on it. And Kamal Haddon, cornerback transfer from Auburn was working on the side. Um, we did not see Princeton Fant on the field Wednesday morning. Um, Josh Heifel said he'd be back on Thursday with Fant not there. Uh, they're a little short at, at tight end right now because Trinity Bell, uh, the big athlete from Alabama, he, Tore his ACL playing basketball back in December, underwent surgery in January. He's still rehabbing that injury, so uh, he's not been 100% cleared. But uh, they've got, without those guys, they've still got, I think, four scholarship tight ends, or maybe it's three. Um, three, and, yeah, was the, three and then Hunter Salmon. 
Uh, yeah, Jacob Warren was the the first guy there. Miles Campbell is a guy that that this staff really really likes, um, and it's kind of funny. The previous staff kind of bombed the tight end recruiting over the years because um, Jackson Lowe and Sean Brown, who were two guys that they really wanted in that 2019 class, they're gone already. Um, they were kind of all in on Arie Gilbert and Darnell Washington in the 2020 class, but they did get Campbell. Uh, he looks like a guy who, if he doesn't play a lot this year, could be a guy down the road. He is a very natural athlete, mm-hmm. um, made a really nice one-handed catch today. It was a standout guy for me because not only did he make um, a pretty nice catch there, but uh, he was really tough to cover for Tennessee safeties when they did some one-on-ones and, and made some good catches over the middle. Of the, I have no idea if he can block anybody. So that probably is the area of his game as a freshman he needs to play. And Alex Dolish said on Tuesday that he's never played a freshman at tight end. So uh, that's what that's what Campbell is up against. But he's a guy that just caught my eye um, on Wednesday. And Julian Nixon did, too. He's a he's a pretty big dude and has some pretty big hands. Um, and again, I don't know if he can block anybody. He was more or less a wide receiver in, uh, in high school. So he's going to have to adjust there. But um, those are some of the guys that were – that was a combination update of, of – Here's some thing. Here's some personnel housekeeping notes, and then also here's a couple of dudes that that stood out or at least caught my eye. Yeah, it was interesting to to see Marley playing wide receiver with number forty two. Uh, that that's not something that you I don't think I've ever really seen. I know college football numbers are getting a little bit wacky anyway, but but forty two there for a wide receiver, uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to change that. I, I don't want to look at that. Either either put him at receiver or either put him at DB or, or changes changes jersey number. I can't I can't really look at that. Um, but you're right. I wanted to mention that before we went to a break. Campbell was a guy, some of the newcomer, one of the newcomers, who to me. I just like the way he looks running around. Um, and another one who, who I, you know, I don't know how this translates into when he can help them, but Charles is also a kid who just watching him running around out there, you know, he, he's played some with the, with the safety, some with the corners, you know, maybe getting a look a little bit there at the nickel spot behind guys like, you know, Theo Jackson and, and um, Danico Slaughter. But I, I just, I like the way he seems to really, really he has the reputation of being a really smart kid and you can tell when he's coaches are talking to him and players are talking to him, he really absorbs everything he's doing and he does a pretty good job of almost instantaneously correcting whatever it is they wanted him to do. And just running around out there, he's really smooth. He's fluid you know, the way he opens up his hips when he's covering, we'll see if he can put all that together when bullets are flying and it's 11 on 11. But just watching him out there running around, I can see why the coaches like him, and I can see why the coaches like Campbell because those. And, and honestly, I can see why. Um, and this is maybe a little bit less of a surprise, but I can see already why Javante Payton was somebody they were excited about um, because he, you know, he he he's taller maybe than some people thought he was. He's got a lot of length, a good catch radius, and he he's really agile. He he can go up there and make some plays. I kind of that's a position and we're going to obviously spend the second you know second segment talking all things quarterback. We're not going to not discuss that guys. But I I think you talk about the the tight ends and how many the the struggles that they've got there. They'd like to roll there with three or four guys. Right now they've they got maybe a couple that they really feel good about. They got to build more there because at practice they got what three scholarship guys and a walk on or a former walk on out there. They've got work to do there. Um, you can tell, but where they have a lot of bodies is wide receiver. And I noticed it because you've got guys like Jalen Hyatt, who 
a lot of people have put a lot of pressure on going into this season saying you've got to go be like, he's got to go be a stud. Well, I'm not sure he was one of the three best receivers out there. You know, at least when we were out there Wednesday morning, one day, but still, I mean, you had guys like Callaway and holiday and, and um, Peyton out there making some plays and, you know, Hyatt let a couple balls get on the ground. And I, I think there's, there's just a lot of options there at receivers. So while they don't, have as many numbers as you want now at tight end, this offense has flexibility to play the game a lot of different ways. And right. one of those might be getting a ton of receivers out there in the mix and maybe getting and, and, and maybe looking at D Beckwith as, as a hybrid guy too, I think. Yeah, and Alex Fellers talked about that on Tuesday, saying that they'd like to have three or four tight ends, but they've got by with two and they kind of just played with two last season at UCF and um, there's a scenario, depending on how Campbell comes along and if if Warren and, and Princeton Fant can stay healthy, where maybe that's the only two guys they roll with. But um, and, and we heard heard Jabari Small talking on Tuesday about how they, they'll use the running backs in the slot too. So, um, like I said, there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of um, mismatches. And you made a good point on Christian Charles. He's a guy that, that the staff really didn't know a whole lot about when they got him or when they inherited him because he signed with the other, the, other, the other staff. He was pretty much a high school quarterback. Um, that kind of played safety, but you know, when you're a high school quarterback and you play safety, you're kind of just back there to you're probably the fastest guy on the team, make sure they don't score a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so he, he's got a lot to learn and, and they were pleasantly surprised by what they got out of him in the spring. And, um, you, you mentioned, uh, Callaway made some nice plays. You know, Jimmy holiday got, uh, got loose for, for one of the deep passes and one-on-ones, a lot of the stuff was short over the middle, but. Um, another guy you didn't mention at wide receiver that does that I that caught my eye was Anderson Kobe, who's the junior college good point, really wide good receiver, point. Yep. Uh, who who <laughs> enrolled and committed between Jeremy Pruitt getting fired and Josh Heupel <laughs> getting hired. It's kind of an odd story. So many weird um, stories with this. We program. can make a we can make as many Kevin Steele jokes as we want to. Probably we could probably fill a whole podcast with those. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> That was something that he and, and some of the other coaches that were kind of in limbo at the time did. They took this guy who is from Florida, has got some pretty good speed, played at uh, Northeast. It was either Northeast or Northwest Mississippi Community College. And I thought he looked like a pretty decent, you know, potential SEC athlete in his film. He did some good things in the spring. And today he's out here beating Alante Taylor in a couple of one-on-ones and, and making uh, – he made one catch where Alante was all over him. Um, he still came up with it and – I even turned and was like, sheesh, man. I mean, and so, you know, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be a factor too. They got a lot of guys at wide receiver that, that, that could potentially help them. So uh, they just got to find somebody who can get those guys the football. Yeah, they, they do. And uh, uh, that is probably the, the best way we're going to be able to transition here from the first to the second segment. So I, I will say that all I was going to say about those wide receivers is I think they're going to be a very well-coached group with this staff. I, I really like – Cody Burns as a coach, I, I like the way he developed those guys at Auburn. His players seem to like playing for him. I, I think y- you might see some big steps forward some of, from some of those guys this season. However, the caveat there is, well, you got to have an offensive line that's going to protect the quarterback, and you got to have a quarterback that's going to get the ball accurately on time where it needs to be and avoid the ball being where it doesn't need to be. Because wide receiver is one of those positions where you're beholden to guys around you. You can do everything perfectly, and it makes no difference if the line, the backs, and the quarterbacks don't also do their job. So 
that's a pretty good segue here. We're going to take a quick break, step away, pay some bills, listen to products, ad services, all those other fun things, in-house stuff. Come back in just a second and discuss what y'all wanted to hear from us about 22 minutes ago, which is Tennessee's quarterback situation. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location here early on a Wednesday afternoon. Just a couple hours after uh, Pat and I finished watching Tennessee go through its first preseason camp practice of, of the Josh Heupel era. Tons of stuff, t- stuff, if I can say that. Tons of tough stuff, tons of stuff to discuss here in the second segment. We're obviously going to spend uh, a majority of that time discussing quarterbacks. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, if you get, take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, go in there, please, please, please hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please rate and review this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's no problem. We're not going to complain about that at all. But what would really help us, since we do this for free and we're happy to do it, we don't ask for a lot, what we ask for is that you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But if you go in there and rate and review, that would help us out a lot. Match that subscribe button. That helps us get this podcast to more wolves in our wolf pack. We've been able to grow this thing for a few years that we've been doing it, the numbers every week, every month, they just go up and up, especially now with the start of preseason camp. We'll get another spike like we always do. So this is a really good time, guys. Tell your friends and family about this, and please rate and review. It'll just It's something that you can do that'll take you just a minute, and you have no idea how much that helps us. So please, please, please go do that. Also, a quick reminder, you can go to homefieldapparel.com right now, and you can uh, go to that Tennessee collection of those 15 some sort of vintage shirts that they've got out there with Tennessee, really soft, really comfortable. Uh, we talked about them going into this podcast episode again. You can go in there, put all that stuff in the checkout line, go to checkout code VOLS247, V-O-L-S-247. You can get 15% off of those really awesome uh, tank tops. I mean, I'm telling you, that that, hood, that hoodie, uh, I have a wife who's pregnant and is not comfortable in, in anything these days. You know, she comes home from work and just throws off her work clothes and just wants to find something comfortable to wear, she wears that hooded sweatshirt every single day when she gets home. And I've gotten to now where I'll just, after she goes to bed, I'll wash it at night so she can wear it again the next day because she just, it's so soft. She loves wearing that thing. So go to homefieldapparel.com, get that Tennessee gear, go to checkout code VOLS247, get 15% off your first order. Please, please, please. Pat, what did you think 
about Tennessee's quarterback situation on Wednesday. We know Josh Heupel came out and as he needed to do, it's it's an easy joke. It's a slam dunk for a coach to before he takes his first question in a press conference says, oh, um, uh, so yeah, I obviously don't know who the quarterback is yet. Just kind of joking around saying because he knows we're going to ask about that every single day because we are because it's the story, right? It's the main story until proven otherwise. Tennessee split the reps up on Wednesday. Pat, what did you think about what you saw from the quarterbacks? What did you think about Heupel's comments on the quarterbacks? What do you think this quarterback situation is right now? He didn't really say much about the quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> he came out right off the top and said, yeah, I don't know who the starter is. Uh, I haven't named one yet. So they all missed some throws. They all made some throws. So um, he did say that the offense was – a lot further uh, along, right, than than they were at the end of the spring, which is good to see. And, and I think the big thing he might be talking about is just how they adjust to the, the way of life and, and how to play in this offense because it's very different from what they were doing. And it's very different from what a lot of people, a lot of other teams do. So um, in terms of the quarterback situation, um, the order, if there was one, throughout on air, it went Hendon Hooker, Joe Milton, Harrison Bailey, and Brian Maurer. Um, that was pretty consistent through the routes on air, through uh, when they did one-on-ones with the wide receivers and the defensive backs. And, and during the uh, team periods that we saw, it looked like it was uh, uh, Hooker and then Milton with the ones and then Bailey and Maurer with the twos. Now, uh, that order could have changed after we left, and that quarter, that order very much could change when we show up at practice on Thursday. So I wouldn't necessarily read too much into it, but – uh, maybe that's the starting point. But uh, in terms of watching these guys throw, um, I thought Hooker was probably the most accurate. I think he maybe had an, uh, some missed throws um, maybe here and there. I thought he was the most accurate of the group. Uh, Joe Bilton's arm strength and arm talent is as advertised. Um, yes, it's a that, rocket. That we've seen, that ball just jumps out of his hand. Uh, it gets there quick. Um, I think probably too quick in some situations. He had a, a handful of passes that – uh, were just too hot to handle for his receivers or that they just didn't get their hands up and together in time and went through them. So uh, is that something where he needs to take some off the, the football? Maybe is there something where maybe it's uh, wide receivers kind of, you know, I know they do a lot of seven, you know, I know they do a lot of throwing and catching in the summer, uh, but maybe it's just different in, in that setting uh, or maybe they're still adjusting to him, even though he's been on campus now for two and a half months. So um that that's the question I have. I, I think Bailey is he doesn't have the the arm talent that maybe some of the other guys do. I do think he's quickened up his release though. Yeah, um, he had to. And, and, he had to. And and something that we talked about a lot with him is is could he be accurate throwing the ball down the field? Yeah, I think he probably had the best throw of the day from uh, from when we were there. Um, he had a one on one. I think it was Jimmy Holiday. It was I think it was against a walk on, um, which should be noted. But Jimmy Holiday's fast guy got behind his man. Uh, and Bailey hit him in stride. So that was probably the prettiest throw of the day. But uh, then he gets in the team period and his first snap, he, he pulls the ball on an RPO um, and then holds it and takes a sack. So, um, and, and so maybe that's, you, you see some good and you see some bad. And if you're Tennessee, you're probably just hoping that there's some separation. You're, you're probably hoping that you don't get uh, a week or a week and a half into the preseason and, and be like, well, none of these guys really separated themselves. That would be the worst case scenario for, for this team. And, and, Alex Scholes came out on Tuesday and said that, that that's the time frame when they want to start narrowing it down. And you have to narrow it down, right? At some point, you need your your guy or your two guys 
to start working with who they're going to play with on Saturdays on, on a more frequent basis as, as opposed to rolling them through the groups as they did during the spring, as they probably will do here to start off the preseason. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've, uh, I'm on record saying, I think Milton will be the guy. I don't, you know, I'm not going to change that after one day. Um, I, I do think that, uh, there's a long way to go in this thing. And anybody that says that they know who it's going to be is before today is, is they, frankly, I don't know what they're talking about because none of these guys have, have thrown for this staff, right? This is the first time that all four of them have been in a practice setting in this offense, throwing in front of this staff. Um, so really the, the competition really just got started today, but um, there's going to be good and bad in all of them. Um, but, you know, you know, for today, it looked like it was, Hooker, Milton, Bailey, Maurer, that's not necessarily the order that it'll be tomorrow. And um, uh, one thing about Milton, his first two plays, he got there on the team period. He, he kept the ball and, and had a pretty good run, it looked like. Uh, he moves really well. He's a he's a big guy. Like, he is uh, he is not small. He's not a normal-sized quarterback. Um, but he runs really well, and, and then we saw that a little bit last year in Michigan. But And then his second play, he, he pulled the ball in an RPO and, and hit Jimmy Callaway over the middle on a dart through a – I think a pretty tight window from where I was standing. So uh, that arm strength is real. Um, and, and again, we, they're going to base this off of how, what these guys do in team periods. Cause you can, you can look like a million bucks throwing the football when you got no pressure on you. But uh, when you got blitzes coming at you and, 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 you know, some guys breaking down up front, uh, that's when, that, that's when your quarterback is going to really show himself. Yeah, there's a few bullet points. I don't, I don't know the exact number because I don't want to say, here, I've got four bullet points, and then I say like five or six. But I'll try to get to these quickly, just some some things about this competition. One, uh, and we need to note this, uh, people who have already been who have been reading the site there at GoVoss 24-7 the past few days, you, you know the coverage we've had reminded you that Tennessee did something unusual with Media Day Tuesday. It brought out all four scholarship quarterbacks at the same time and gave all four of them the exact same amount of time to talk at the same time. And it was sort of a symbolic way of saying, listen, all four of these guys have a chance to be Tennessee starting quarterback. They're all going into camp with an equal footing going forward, and they showed that. They, they put their money where their mouth was Tuesday by letting everybody go out there and talk at the same time. That was one. Uh, second thing, it would not surprise me in the slightest if for the first week or so of camp, every day was predetermined who was going to be kind of with the first group, second group, and all that. That's what they did in the spring. Yeah, because that way you can say everyone's been given a fair shot because you can't say, well, look at, I mean, this guy is completing 85% of his passes, but he's throwing to scholarship receivers against walk-on DBs. So, you know, you have to make it fair, and I think they're trying to do that. That would be the second thing. Number three is, if you were to make this a who is the most physically talented guy at the position, that l- let's end the debate there. That's Joe Milton. If you're talking about who is the most promising-looking player at that position in terms of physically? Milton is a defensive end who can throw and run. He is a big, big dude. He looks like an edge rusher, but he's got a hell of an arm, and he can he can sling it. And that is, in terms of running the ball, in terms of putting the ball, throwing the ball with power, throwing the ball, making every throw you need to make in terms of strength, it is Milton. However, um, that was never his problem at Michigan. Uh, Milton's also a guy who I think if you were prepared to say, I don't care what happens the first six games of the season, I just want to find this quarterback settled for the long run, I think Milton's a guy who if you put him out there and said, I don't care if you throw six interceptions the first couple weeks of the season, you're eventually going to be the guy. I think by the end of the season, 
he would be a pretty good quarterback. But I don't know if you're Tennessee with some of those winnable games being early in the year. I don't know that you can afford to do that. Um, that would be another thing. Uh, and then I, I will say this too. Um, if you want to say who is, you know, if you want to break them down physically, um, Harrison Bailey, and this is not my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is a fact. Uh, you don't want to say I'm pretty sure this is a fact because maybe it's not. But it looks to me self-apparent that Harrison Bailey has probably the weakest arm of that quartet, and he is the the least effective runner of that quartet. So if he wants to win the job, and he could, he could win it, he will have to be so much better uh, than the pack in terms of managing the offense, understanding it, getting the ball where it needs to be, directing traffic. He has to excel in those areas, and he has to be like lethally, surgically accurate with the ball. If he does those things, and he might, he could be the guy. And then the last thing I would say is this. I think a lot of people are still not, and I'm not saying anybody on our staff, I'm talking about just reading fans out there, reading some other media out there. I don't think Hendon Hooker is getting nearly the, the discussion that he should in terms of being a guy who could very well go into the game as the first starting quarterback because he is a guy who uh, has a plus arm, not a, not a Milton arm, but a plus arm. Uh, he's not Michael Vick, but he's a good runner. He has experience starting at the Power 5 level. And by the end of the spring, he looked to me like their best quarterback. Now, Milton came in, and you're going to want to look at the new guy because you haven't seen him yet. And, and of course, fans are going to love the fact that he's not only the most talented, nobody's seen him yet. So he, nobody's seen him screw up in an orange uniform yet. So everybody's all on the, the Milton train. And I get it. Physically, I get it. But Hooker, to me, is the guy who's flying under the radar and just kind of quietly putting together a pretty good resume. Yeah, I, I think Hooker might be the laying in the weeds there. The, the thing, uh, and, and we've seen this before with some guys, If you're when you're the running quarterback, and that's not to say Hooker can't throw the ball. He's got a decent arm. His yards per attempt at Virginia Tech was surprisingly high. Um, but there were some times in his past where when they put the game on his arm, he couldn't get the job done Correct. or less. That's true. Um, and, and for those kind of guys, it's hard in a practice where you're not live for you to kind of have your, uh, your full ability out there. Right. Like you're, when you're, you're a guy who, who is a legitimate threat to run the ball and, and he's probably the best runner of the four um, and the most dangerous runner of the four. But when you're not live and you're not for contact, you, you're kind of playing with you. You're kind of, I don't want to say one arm behind one arm behind your back, but it, it, it's kind of what we saw with Josh Dobbs, right? Like when it, you know, he was the guy that was really hard to tackle. You know, they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like the, you're not live as a quarterback. Yeah, it, right? it, it, so it, it's that, not. It's, that part it, of your game is sort of minimized in a practice setting. Yeah, it, it's when not. It can it's be not, a big game changer on Saturdays, right? Yeah, did not, I explain that. Yeah, you did. It's not. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. not. It's not like. It's, and I want to throw. I want to throw it right back to you here. But just the way I wanted to say it was, it's not like when Lynn Bowden was Kentucky's quarterback, and if he had to throw, you were screwed. It's nothing like that. No, it's it's much more like you said, much more like Dobbs early in his career. When as long as Tennessee had, as long as the game was close and Tennessee had the ability, the the threat of running and throwing, he was really tough to handle. But if Tennessee got behind the sticks, like a third and 20, Tennessee got late in a game where it had to throw, had to come from behind, early in his career, he didn't excel there. And I think that might be what you mean. And, well, not even that he can't he can't get it done, but that's what happened in the past. Now, it wouldn't, be surprised, it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to get here for a staff that he didn't necessarily even come in here to play for. 
Josh Heifel, Joey Housley take him and, and they shore up some things mechanically and unlock some of that potential. I think he transferred from Virginia Tech to try to become more of a quote-unquote passer. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's taking steps there. I mentioned then, you know, mechanically it looks like Bailey's got a little bit of quicker release than, than maybe he has in the past. Uh, they, they do some of that stuff. Now, I know this staff, they're not going to take how a quarterback throws and overhaul it. That's not what they did at UCF. That's not what they are going to do here. Um, but they might shore up some things that that help. And and for Hooker, he's a guy that, you know, he has some pretty good games throwing the football at, at Virginia Tech. So he, he, he can get it done. Um, I just think a lot of people externally seem to think that, you know, Bailey was this highly touted recruit. Um, I, I see the Tennessee fans, a lot of them, they seem to – you know, he's our guy. He's been our guy for three years now, right? Yeah. I mean, he was the guy that committed in, you know, after they lost that Vanderbilt game in 2018. They didn't have an offensive coordinator at the time. He was loyal. He had a big senior season. Um, you know, his career passing totals in Georgia are what they were. Mentioned the same conversation as Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jake Fromm, some of those guys. Uh, I get why. Um, but, you know, and his his biggest thing might be that he's the steadiest. He might be the the guy that's the most consistent. That's something that Alex Bullish mentioned um, on Tuesday as something that's going to be key. Whereas if you're a guy that that steadily has good days and good practices on top of one another and aren't up and down, then the coaching staff can trust you. They know what they're going to get from you. They can put you out there and you know for the best. And, and again, he's he wasn't a highly rated crew by accident. I mean, he he he's got to, he's got some talent. He's oh, not some, for sure some bum out here. Um, but I do think that his arm talent isn't the same as, as, as Milton's. And, um, you know, talking to Milton on Tuesday, I, I got a sense this is a guy that's very confident in himself, very looking forward to this situation that, that, uh, that of, of transferring from Michigan. And I think he's eager to prove that what you saw last season wasn't fully him. Um, and I think it's probably gotten overlooked that he tore two, uh, I think, ligaments, multiple ligaments in his thumb on the second play of the Michigan State game. And, uh, he told me that by the Wisconsin game a couple weeks later, he could barely grip football. He felt like he was throwing it with four fingers at at, at a time, which is probably pretty hard to do, especially um, in that cold probably, weather. In that cold weather, too, up there. Yeah, and that's you know, and, and really at this case, at this point, what any of these quarterbacks did, uh, really before this month, is entirely irrelevant. What Joe Milton did at Michigan is not going to have any bearing on if he went to Tennessee's starting job. What Harrison Bailey did the three games last season when frankly I thought JT Stroud looked like the better quarterback. Correct. doesn't matter. It's all in the past. doesn't matter. That was a different team. That was a different staff. This is an offense that accentuates quarterbacks and takes what they do best and maximizes it. So, um, and that's, it, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this, this kind of falls with me. And you made a good point that, you know, the, the symbolism of, of letting them all talk at once um, is that, and Heifel said as much, they're going to, you know, how they determine who gets the reps on certain days and, and when do they narrow it down and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be dictated on how they perform, right? So uh, that that's that's why it's going to be fascinating to watch. And um, and we'll start to see how it plays out. I mean, again, if you're making a prediction right now, it's it's a guess because they've had one practice with the staff. Yeah, and Jimbo Fisher, A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, had a really good quote uh, a couple weeks ago when someone was asking him about you know, when he planned to name a starting quarterback. And he very politely told the reporter, hey, I'm not trying to be rude here, but I think you're asking that question wrong. I won't tell the team who is the starting quarterback. The starting quarterback will tell the team who the starting quarterback is. He will decide that by the way he goes out there and plays. I will know it. His teammates will know it. And then that's when we will know. 
And I think that's probably fair because they can sit here and say all day long that they'd like to narrow this thing down by a week and a half, two weeks, and then kind of at least have a three horse race at that point and then go forward. But um, you, you just don't know. I mean, this could be a deal where after a week we're talking about, whoa, this guy's running away with it. Or it could be a deal where going into the, the opening week, you're going, you're going to have to play a couple guys against Bowling Green and see how it goes from there. Because Heupel doesn't want to do that. He's, his teams have almost always had a starting quarterback. Now, they may have had guys who had a role, you know, in kind of a maybe a Wildcat package or something of that sort. But but generally speaking, they have a guy and they roll with a guy. I don't know if, if they'll be able to do that because, you know, it kind of reminds me of a of what's going on with Tennessee on the defensive line. There's just a lot of guys there, and it's hard to find guys who are totally separating themselves. Because, like, you know, you can talk about, and I agree, about Bailey at times looking pretty unflappable. Um, but I would say the counterpoint to that is that he still takes way too long with the ball in his hands sometimes, and, and he's not a good enough runner to get away with that. He, he's got some good instincts in the pocket in terms of feeling the pressure, but he doesn't get rid of the ball quickly enough sometimes. He holds on to it too long, he, and he's not going to be able to pull the ball down and run for 20, 30 yards like some of these other guys are. So that's something that that he's going to have to manage the game better than the rest, I think, to give himself a chance. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, excuse me, because we haven't mentioned much about Brian Maurer yet. I spoke with him for probably 20 minutes or so uh, Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. He gave me the probably the most Brian Maurer quote I've ever heard in my life when I asked him about sort of that kamikaze style he plays with and the way that he, he's gotten himself concussed a few times. He's gotten hurt because he just won't slide. He'll, he'll, he'll flip head over heels. He'll take on three defenders, you know, when he doesn't have to, right. He could just throw the ball away. He could slide, but that's not how he plays. And, and I said, you know, if you want to be a guy who's a starting quarterback, whether it's here somewhere else, whatever, you know, you're going to have to probably stop doing that at some point. Right. And, and then he looked at me and he goes, I don't think I can change who I am. So I just had to get bigger. So I'm like 15 pounds bigger now. And that was the most Brian Maurer quote I've ever heard, basically, when he said, I'll try to slide more, but, you know, man, that's just not me. So I decided to put on 15 pounds of muscle so I could take more hits. And that is exactly what Brian Maurer would do, isn't it? Like, if he had said anything else, it would have been a surprise. Right, and and he's a guy we haven't really mentioned, but he's kind of the wild card in this, right? I mean, he's he, he, he is a guy that... um. I mean, in the open practice they had in in, in the spring, he looked great. He yeah. had some great plays in that setting, and then he also had some plays where you're like, "Why did he throw that? Why did he force yeah. that throw?" What, are you, what are you doing? It's like, right, and it's like, why you know, why are you running out of the pocket when there's no pressure? It's like, you know, and so again, if he can cut down on some of those, like, why did you do that play? Then he might have he might have a chance, but um, that's something that's been a been a problem his whole career so uh you you hear you ask him about will he change how he plays and he says no well it's also the same of well can you can you change how you played in terms of what's held you back yeah and right so and and again i don't want to rule anybody out It's it's been one day um but uh that would be the probably the you could lay out any of the scenarios and mauer changing what he's always sort of been in terms of the guy that's either looks like a million bucks or makes a bonehead play. Uh, 
asking that to that pattern to change would be a surprise to me. But I suppose all things are possible. Yeah, um, it, it, this this program has has defied logic so many times that you know you never know. So, but again, he's a guy that you look at him and he probably fits this offense pretty well, right? I mean, he can run, he can throw on the run. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, he's you know quick. Uh, you know, if, if you make him do things quick and not have to think, that's probably where he's at his best because uh, in high school he was running for his life a lot and probably didn't have to think because he was getting chased because his offensive line wasn't very good. So, yeah. um, and, and and he knows the staff well too a little bit from from being a guy in Orlando. So, um, that's yeah, that's a guy we haven't mentioned that we should mention, but how much more will we keep mentioning him is it's up to him. And, and that's the kind of circling back to that point we made is that uh, when you were talking about Jimbo Fisher, that this is, this is up to these guys. These guys are going to earn what they earn and, and, and do what they do. And uh, I, I don't get a sense that the coaching staff has any sort of, um, I, I don't get this, the sense that the staff has said, this is our guy going in. I don't, I think they've kept it open. Um, I know they brought Milton in. He's the only guy that they brought in um, since they've been here and they inherited the other three guys, but I don't think they're saying he's our guy just because we brought him in. Right. So they want to go in games and whoever shows that they can do that, uh, whoever shows that 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 guy can go out there and and lead this offense to score a bunch of points, that's who they're going to pick. And uh, if it goes into the season, it goes into the season, but, um, and, and a lot of the talk about Milton is, as we talked about, it's because he's the new guy. He's a guy that we haven't seen. He's a guy that, that the staff brought in. It's it's the guy that the shiny toy wasn't here in the spring. He's the new yeah. He's the new toy. So that's why there's been a lot of quote unquote talk about him. But um, but he's if he's going to be the guy, he's going to have to earn it because they've got four guys that I think are that have have their pros, but also have their cons. And he he's the same way. Yeah, because it, 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 if Joe Milton hadn't transferred to Tennessee. I think we'd be sitting here today and I'd probably be making the argument that Brian Maurer is still the most talented quarterback Tennessee has. But the fact is Joe Milton did transfer to Tennessee. And when you just watch them run around and you watch them throw, he's the guy who you're just drawn to, not because he's new, um, but because he is abnormally large for his position and he looks like, you know, he's throwing some of those like, uh, you know, they used to call it the old Elway cross or the Jamarcus Russell cross, like just slinging it. Like it looks like a, like an Aroldis Chapman fastball coming at you. Like it's, he, he throws it. And, and so that's where, that's where they got to figure that out. Uh, because whoever they play, they're going to get some mistakes. Um, but Tennessee can't just go with the guy who makes the fewest mistakes because Tennessee, I, I think defensively has a chance to be okay, maybe. Maybe not. I don't think it can be good, but I don't think it has to be terrible. It could be okay. Uh, but Tennessee is going to have to score points, a lot of points, to compete with, with some of the best teams on that schedule. And you can't just have a guy who is who won't who won't, you know, who just avoids mistakes. You have to be a playmaker. And you know, Maurer said this too, that one thing that he's really loved about this coaching staff with the quarterbacks is that they tell him every day, he said they tell us at least twice every day. We don't want robots. We're not looking to build a Josh Heupel quarterback or an Alex Golish quarterback or a Joey Halsley quarterback. We're trying to make you the best quarterback you can be. We don't want to change who you are. We want to take what you are, who you are, and make it better. And we will change the offense to fit you 
if you're the quarterback. And he said that really got his that really got him excited because he said a lot of coaches try to, you know, robotically change everything about you. And the, the, these coaches don't want robots. They want guys to be themselves. And, and so it's easy to say that when you're undefeated and you haven't you haven't gotten your teeth kicked in yet. But it it's still to me, um, I get the sense that there's some 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 good vibes right now with this bunch. But I'll end this with you, Pat, kicking it over to you. There was a quote from Cade Mays yesterday where you could tell a few TV reporters in a row were asking all those kind of, and, and no offense, but some of those typical kind of first day TV questions like, oh, is there optimism with this team? And, you know, what's the vibe like right now? Are there, it feels like there's good vibes. And after a few of those, Cade Mays kind of laughed and he went, yeah, th- th- there are, there's optimism um, and good vibes, but like, that's not going to win us a single football game. <laughs> he goes, last season, uh, it wasn't COVID that beat us. We didn't execute. This season, it won't be optimism that makes us win games. It won't be good vibes. It won't be playing dodgeball together that makes us win games. Uh, it'll be executing on the field and being better than the other team will make us win games. So he goes, like, I- I'm happy that we're that some of the COVID protocols, we can go out and do some more stuff as a team. We can, we can have more fun. We can be around each other more. We're not just sitting in our rooms, terrified of our own shadow, but we, those good vibes won't matter as much if we're not executing on the field. So I think that's sort of, I don't want to call that the sobering reminder, but it's kind of the sobering reminder that there are good vibes right now, but they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. And They've got a lot of work to do and, and not a lot of time to do it because they're four weeks out from the season opener. So yeah. they get to ease into it against Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green is bad at football. This isn't some Georgia State situation. Um, of course, I could eat these words, but probably not. I mean, uh, you know, Tennessee was, what, 25-point favorite over Georgia State. They're 33-point favorite over Bowling Green. So Yeah, the, the, good thing, other... the good thing is the internet never remembers everything all the time and keeps receipts. Right, right. So um, – of course, Tennessee hasn't beaten anybody by 30 since – or beaten an FBS team by 30 since 2015. My God. Um, that's so true. <laughs> so – but, uh, but yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the, there's just so much about this team. We haven't even touched on the offensive line or the linebackers or anything, and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that more as we do another podcast probably in the next couple of days after a couple more practices. Yeah, we will because uh, – and to be fair, Pat, I think we should mention this before we go – I think there's a lot more that we need to see before we can discuss that because Jeremy Banks is now back healthy for linebacker. You know, Juwan Mitchell is transferred in. Um, and then with the offensive line, you know, y- you've got another couple guys in the mix. Uh, you got to figure out where's Cade May's going to play. Is he definitely going to be left tackle? Is he also going to play some inside? Who's going to be the center? You know, there, there's all kinds of things there. But I think uh, Alex Golish kept saying this when asked some questions. He's like, man, get back to me in a week and a half. And and I think that's probably fair because they can't do full pads practicing until what Monday or Tuesday. It's got to be the fifth practice before you can you know is, isn't that what it is? Because you got to do two in shorts and then two in shells, and then fifth day I think you can go to full pads. So it will take probably to that point before you can even start really thinking about some of this stuff. Right. I think that's probably. 
we could go I have on. no more to add. We could that go on perfect. we we could go on forever this time of year, but uh we can't do that because we got still 29 30 more days until uh Tennessee plays its first game. We're going to have a a metric butt ton of podcasts between between this point and then. So uh we both got to run. I got to get some photos up on the website. I know Pat you got some stuff to to finish up too. So I'm going to go ahead and go and I'm going to tell you thanks for listening, man. Thanks for being here. No, thanks to readers and listeners for 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 reading. Thanks to you for being here and talking to them. I'm glad to be here, Wes. I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, I, I want to thank all the people that listen and read the site. <laughs> you guys are awesome. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Pat. Yep. And that should just about wrap us up here for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thank you all for listening. We say that every single week, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Every episode we say it. Every episode we mean it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7. And we update that page, oh gosh, every hour, pretty much every day, 24-7. All kinds of good stuff on there. But if you want that most delicious, that best, pure, unfiltered, Smoky Mountain delicious water right from the source, right from the tap, go to GoVols247.com and get that. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage. Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. You can also get access to, to two forums that run round the clock 24-7, as the name suggests. we got the checkerboard and the summit where you can discuss anything you want with us all day, every day, as long as it's not political or religious in nature. Pretty much anything else, guys, sports, non-sports, life, uh, all kinds of stuff, what you got in the grill, what you're growing in the garden, what, 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 are you, what are you watching on TV, what do you think about the Olympics going on, all kinds of good stuff on there, guys. It's been, it's been tough for a lot of people in the past year and a half. We all know this. But a lot of people have been able to, to, to spend time on the checkerboard and the summit and kind of build that community with us. And uh, it's helped a lot of people. So, so go check it out. And you can get all of that for the low, low price of less than one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. That's really all it costs. And that's after you get a free trial for a week to give it a shot. And after that, it's less than one mediocre lunch per month. And if you pay that price... You get access in perpetuity, as long as you're paying us our reasonable price. You get access for free, commercial free, to CBS All Access. I did it again. It's Paramount Plus now. Another dollar in the jar. Used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, which is pretty much every show CBS has ever made, commercial free. Uh, Tons of Paramount Plus exclusive shows on there, commercial free, ad free. You got tons of movies, tons of new movies, tons of old movies. You got uh, live sports, SEC, Vol stuff, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. Uh, You also get stuff from the vaults of uh, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon for the kiddos. All of that. That's a $100 plus annual value that we give you for free. No one else can do that, guys. We can do that for you. So go check it out, GoVols247.com. If nothing else, you should hear from us at the latest. Um, we're, we're doing our Thursday podcast today early, so it might be might be a few days before you hear from us again, uh, unless there's big breaking news before then. But until then, guys, be safe, all right? Look into it. Get that vaccine. Keep washing your hands. Keep wearing those masks indoors if you need to. 
Let, these numbers aren't looking good, guys. Let's get through this. We don't want to go through last season. We don't want to go through last season again. Everybody be good to each other. Let, let's be good. We'll get through this. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.